Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Good morning, just waiting for my glasses to defog after my mask. I'll be with you now. <laughs> no. no, it's awesome to see so many people this morning. I expected like 20 because everybody is away. If you try and arrange volunteers for the Easter weekend, you'll know there's not a lot of people here. So I'm very excited to see so many faces. Welcome. So for those that maybe don't know me, my name is Andre. Um, I'm married. Yes, this is taking long. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm married, got three kids. Um, and it's my privilege to share this morning. Today I'm going to talk about two fathers. And one is yeah, semi-decent. And one is an awesome father. So that's the two stories I want to talk to you about today. But first, let me just pray for us. Father, we thank you that we can be here this morning. Thank you, Father, for the awesome time in worship. Father, we just want to say we just want to be close to you, Father. We want to, we're not here for the worship. We're not here for a sermon. We're not here for anything but you, Father. We want to hear what is on your heart. We want to come closer to you, Father. We want to love you. We want to be loved by you this morning, Father. Come and share what is on your heart, Father. We're excited to just lay down everything we came with this morning and just come and sit at your feet. Speak to us, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. So, okay, the first Father I'm going to talk, I'm call, I call him semi-decent because it's myself. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> between too prideful and too humble and so it's semi-decent is fine I'm happy with that so just to give you some background some of you may not know me that well may not know the story of my son Azal um, so I'm going to give a quick overview so that we're on the same page I want to talk about a specific incident about six months ago in our lives that rocked the boat a little bit especially for me as a father um, so Azal, you can see there, that photo was taken in 2017 when he was two years old, healthy, running around. And then, yeah, November 2017 he drowned and he was dead for two hours. Um, and yeah, the doctors did amazing work with him. And yeah, we... We were in Polokwane, and we came down to the specialist in Johannesburg the next day. They flew him with a helicopter, and we came here, and the doctor was just like, he's the specialist with kids' brain trauma ICU. He said, listen, okay, he's brilliant, but he doesn't have bedside manners. So he just said, listen, sorry, your son's not going to make it for another day. So we're like, okay, at least he's honest. Um... And after the day, he's still alive, he said, okay, but listen, the next three days, there's no chance he will survive. He's got bleeding on the brain, his lungs doesn't work at all, his kidneys doesn't work at all because of the two hours of CPR. Um, his heart is damaged, he's got an infection count through the roof. There's just no 
chance that he will survive three days. And then after the three days, we were sitting there, and he walked past, and he looked at us all, and he was like, oh, he's still alive. I must probably make a plan. <laughs> he said to us as parents, <laughs> I wanted to knock him, but... Um, yeah, so then he said, listen, the next seven days, it's, it's really just there's no chance this kid can survive. He doesn't know how he's still alive. Obviously, a lot of people praying, a lot of people coming to worship out the, outside the hospital that we really appreciate it. Um, and after seven days, he was just keeping, keeping on getting better and better. And in fact, everything came down. His lungs still didn't work, so at some stage we had him on an ECMO machine, which is basically a pump that's standing there. I didn't put that photo up because that's a bit, that's just a scary photo. Um, but it was like a pump here, and then they put a pipe into his heart and just pump all the blood out of his body through this pump to put oxygen back because his lungs doesn't work and back into his body. So it was quite severe. He had a couple of operations and stuff in that time as well. So this was four years ago. So then, since then, he has gradually became better and better. And so at this stage, he's, he has brain damage in the sense he understands everything, but his motor functions is impaired. So he can move his head, he can smile, he can move his eyes, but he can't talk, can't really move further than that. Um, he's on oxygen permanently, um, a lot of times on a ventilator as well. He has a serious lung condition as well. But that has improved over the past four years quite a lot. So that's really nice. That's where he's at now. Um, so if we look at that last photo there, you can see him. Um, this photo was taken in January. So that is the background, quickly, where we're at. Um, I want to talk specifically about why that last photo was taken. Um, so today I'm just going to share with you. <laughs> um, but honestly and openly about what I experienced as a father about six months ago. So, sorry for the tears, but I came prepared. Um, so about six months ago, we were busy with him and realized he has pain. Whenever he frowns, that's pain. And um, we took him for x-rays, and they said, okay, listen, what they're seeing is, because he's not using his legs and so on, the ligaments shortened. So his um, bone, or his leg bone, basically pulled out of the hip socket. So it's starting to pull out. It's not completely dislocated yet. Um, but both are like that. So it's the ligaments that shorten and just pulls it weirdly. So this was at his specialist. He has a specialist pulmonologist who is a lung specialist and a virologist, one of five in the country, and they're in Alberton. So we were there. And we spoke to the orthopedic surgeon that works with him there. And she looked at the x-rays while standing. We were there in our waiting room. And there were other parents as well. And she was standing behind a receptionist, quickly looking at it. And she just said casually over her shoulder, you know, um, you're, uh, this is the scenario. Hips is almost dislocated. He's definitely having pain at the moment. Um, but if we operate, because of his lung condition, there's a very high risk he's going to die. 
that you want to make it. And if we do the operation, um, it's really going to be an intense pain. It is severe pain, the operation. And then afterwards, there's a good possibility that it will actually experience a lot more pain um, chronically or every day than what he's experiencing now. And she said, so, so okay, you can go. Let me know what you decide if you want to go for, through with the operation or not. So we drove back from Alberton, not really talking, me and my wife just shattered. Um, came home and I didn't want to tell everything to my wife that I'm thinking. So I knocked on Henny's door. That's the nice thing of staying at the church office. <laughs> you have Henny on call. So I knocked there and I said, yes, Henny, can I just talk to you? This is what just happened. I just want to share my thoughts and just, I don't want to put it on Mezzan, my wife. And as I started talking, Meza knocked. <laughs> and she had the same idea. So, <laughs> and then she's there as well. So this morning, I want to share with you just what I experienced there. And um, I want to ask you not to judge me too much. <laughs> um, the word says we must take our thoughts captives. So if a thought comes into your head, it doesn't mean it's sin. It's what you do with that thought. It's you either take it captive, with other words, you look at it through the word, and you say, no, this is a lie, because this is what Scripture says, this is what God says, or you meditate on that. You think about that. You entertain that thought, and that is sin, if it's not from God. So, just as a background. So, shared with any, and we were just crying, and we were like, I don't understand. You're... God is, firstly, Azal's father. He loves him more than I love him. And now he's in pain and probably going to have pain for the rest of his life. I'm just, I don't know what to do. And now I must make a decision. Do we go for operation or not? And I said to any, okay, this is my thoughts unfiltered. I said to him, I think it would be better if he just died and go to heaven then he doesn't experience pain for the rest of his life. And Mezzan was sitting there next to me, and she's like, what are you saying? <laughs> and I said, listen, I think it would be better. And she said, but you can't think about stuff like that. He's alive. And honestly, I was thinking about euthanasia or genade do it. Just like, and Mezzan said, you can't think like that. You will go to jail for the rest of your life. And I was, looked at her. Sorry. And I just said to her, do you really think I care about going to jail for the rest of my life if my son doesn't have pain? I don't care about that. I'll easily do that. But in that moment, just taking the thoughts captive, because that God makes it clear he doesn't want us to kill him. So just looking at the word on that thought, we took it captive. And said, there's no chance that I'm willing to do that because I love God, because I have a relationship with God, because I will not jeopardize my relationship with God for my son, for my wife, for anybody. Um, I love God more than I love my son. And I want to do his will more than I 
um, want to do my own or, or think what is a good idea or dumb idea or whatever. So yeah, and I think that was the lowest point we've been um, in the past four years since his accident. And there's purpose behind me sharing this, not just to make you cry or negative. Um, but that was really a low point, and that is a father, I think you can imagine, just broke me, you know, having to make a choice, and it sucks, um, and not understanding. So, okay, that's my story. Now the other father, sorry, and that is God. I want us to look at God's heart um, over this Easter weekend because Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again. But I want us to look at what did God experience? God the Father. Imagine what God went through. So before we just go through a quick background of that story as well, I just want us to realize a couple of things. First of all, God is love. God created love. God loves more than I could ever love as well, that you could ever love somebody, that you can ever hope to love somebody. God, God loves more than that. God the Father. He's more passionate than any of us. We see with David, he says, David is a man after my own heart. And David sinned. David messed up nicely. Pretty big. He went big all the time because he was passionate. And that's why God said, he's a man after my own heart. Because he's passionate. God is a passionate God. And if we look there at the next one as well, this was a revelation for me. If you know my wife, see... Is very wise, very solid, but she also cares a lot. She has emotions. And the one day we were driving to my parents' house on a Sunday to have lunch, and I realized she was sharing her feelings, and I realized, oh, heck, God has more emotions than Mizen. I was like, Pff. that blew my mind completely. But God... But emotions aren't wrong. It's how you act with your emotions. How Do you allow your emotions to govern you? Or actually wisdom and knowledge according to God's word. So God is more emotional and experiences more emotions than any of us. And then he is all-powerful. He can stop anything. He could have stopped Jesus' crucifixion at any time. Any time he wanted to. And I'm thankful he's God, because if I was in that situation, I'm not sure we would have been here today. Um, so let's look at Jesus' story from God's perspective this morning. And let's do a quick summary, just the background as well, as I did with Azal. So first of all, God created Adam and Eve. He created man to have a relationship with him. He wants to have, he created us. We were his children, his babies. And he loves us. And he, we see he came and walked with Adam and Eve daily because of his love for us. And we sinned. And later on he gave the Ten Commandments. But just imagine how much that broke God's heart. God the Father created Eden. He created man. And 
He just threw it back in his face, all of his love. Imagine what God experienced, the God who feels more emotion, more love, is more passionate than what we feel. What did he feel? Um, we have the Ten Commandments, where God says, just listen, just do these ten things. It's not that difficult. Just do it, and you can be with me. Nope. Again, we didn't. And it was necessary for God to send Jesus. Because God loves us so much. So that's the background. Um, I want us to look at a specific incident as well. Um, where we see God's, we're going to look at God's heart, his father's heart. Now imagine your son asking this of you. Imagine Azal asking this of me. Imagine the person sitting next to you, the one you love the most, ask these words of you. I'm going to read Sorry, Luke 22, verse 39 to 44. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Imagine God standing there and Jesus said, Dad, please help me. Yes, please do not give me this cup. Please don't let me go through this. Yes, your will, not my will. And then God sending an angel to strengthen Jesus because that's what was needed. Jesus was stressing. He was crying out. He was in anguish. It says there, even after the angel strengthens him. So this is worse than what probably any of us could ever experience because Jesus knew what was coming. He knew what had to be done. And he cried out to God and God stood there. As a father, all-powerful, he could have stopped it. He could have helped. He could have said, don't worry, I'll do it. I'll make another plan. But for his son that he loves, the God that loves more, is more passion, has more emotions than any of us, that father left him right there. Send the angel to strengthen him. But couldn't say to him, no, you don't have to go through this. Although it's in my power to take it from you. And I want us to look at what is that cup? Jesus say, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Now, I always thought that's hanging on the cross. You know, that's, that's, that's hectic. That is painful. That is one of the worst ways to die in that time. But actually, that cup is not just that. It's a lot worse. It's scary. Um, one example of that cup is actually Jeremiah 25, verse 15 to 17. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, says to me, Take this cup of wine of wrath from my hand, 
and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it. They will drink and stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. So that is one of the reference to that same cup. But that cup is God's wrath that he poured out on Jesus. God the Father had to look at his son and pour out all of his wrath on his son. Yes, I don't know if I will. No, that's why I can't be God. <laughs> but yes, guys, imagine God's heart. Imagine how broken he would have. He was in that moment, having to do it to his son, who is blameless. Who's the only one who's blameless. And we see further in Matthew 18, verse 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and bore our diseases. So he took our sin, he took our sickness, he took our infirmities, God's wrath on him in that moment. That was hectic, and Jesus knew that, and that's what he cried out to God, please, please don't give me this. And we see in Matthew 27, verse 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Again, we've read it so many times, but imagine God being on the receiving end of that. Now, the reason why God had to pour out his cup of wrath was because God must judge sin. God is righteous and just. There is sin, and sin always have a victim. If you kill somebody, it's that person, it's his family. If you lie, you lie towards somebody. Even if it's just God. But at least you're sinning against God. There's a victim. God is the victim of your sin. And God has to pour out his wrath against it because he's righteous and justice. And just for the rest of our sakes. For his kingdom's sake. So he had to forsake Jesus there. He had to stand back and not just leave him alone. But pour out his wrath on his only son. On that cross. That is scary. Imagine what God experienced. Imagine what God, the Father's heart, how he must have broken. He has more emotions. He must have wept. Imagine that. So, to end off with, if the band can come up, please. But why did God allow this to happen? Why did God, the Father, allow his own heart to go through that pain, that suffering, his son to go through that pain and suffering? Simply for your sake. Because God loves you. Because God is willing to put himself through pain and suffering for your sake so that he can have a relationship with you. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come so that we can be saved and go to heaven and have a ticket. Congratulations, you made it to heaven. He came because we sin, because we've fallen, because we need to be saved so that we can have a relationship with God. 
Jesus says he came to restore us to the Father, that relationship that God had in the beginning with Adam and Eve. That's why Jesus came, so that you sitting here this morning can have a relationship with God the Father. That's the only reason why God, Jesus, went through this. So this morning I want to ask us to stand. And I want to read for us Psalm 139 verse 13. For you, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. God knew you. He created you. He, he knitted you together to have a relationship with him. For him to love you. For you to love him. You can't do it without that. You were created for the purpose of being in a relationship with God. So this morning I want to give an opportunity. If you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, you've never come to the point where you said, Jesus, what you did on the cross, I accept it. I accept that you came to save me. I accept that I'm a sinner. I, I want to have a relationship with God. If that is you, if you've never said that, I want to give you opportunity tonight or this morning to respond to God. So I want us just to close our eyes out of respect for the person that maybe just want to show me with their hand. I would love to pray with you. The leaders would love to pray with you. The Father, this morning, we stand in awe of you, Father. We are so thankful, Father, for what you have done. Thank you that you went through all of the pain, the suffering, the rejection, the humiliation. For our sake, for my sake, Father. Thank you that I can have a relationship with you, Father. Father, please come and show more and more of you in our lives. Come and help us. Holy Spirit, to come and die to ourselves more and more. We can't do it on our own. We want to honor you. We want to walk in your ways, Father. We want to be in your presence. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.